Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. Governor Gavin Newsom has announced that California will be the first state in the nation to offer COVID-19 disaster relief to undocumented immigrants. The governor unveiled a fund for those who've lost jobs in the pandemic yesterday. Anti-immigrant critics are having a field day with the announcement, helping push the phrase recall Gavin Newsom to the top of trending terms on Twitter Wednesday evening. Some suspect bots had at least something to do with that. As KQED's Farida Javala Romero reports, the program will get $75 million in state funding, and that's just the start. Starting next month, undocumented Californians will be able to apply for a one-time emergency grant of $500. The relief is expected to help 150,000 people who can't get unemployment benefits and federal stimulus aid because of their immigration status. Newsom also announced private foundations are raising $50 million to support struggling undocumented people in the state. A coalition of immigrant and workers' rights advocates applauded the initiative, but said it won't be enough to help everyone who needs it. Nearly 2 million workers in California are undocumented, and many have lost all their income. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. Bakersfield Republican and state Senate minority leader Shannon Grove slammed Newsom, saying he was choosing to, quote, irresponsibly pursue a left-wing path instead of supporting hospitals, food banks, and small businesses. Meanwhile, the state is expanding staff and call center hours to process millions of unemployment claims related to COVID-19. The unemployment call center will now be staffed 12 hours a day, seven days a week, which officials hope will cut down on busy signals. 2.7 million people claiming uh, now the need for unemployment insurance in just over uh, one month. So now record number of call volumes. Independent contractors and the self-employed can also apply through the state for assistance from the new federal Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program starting April 28th. Speaking of unemployment, national numbers out this morning paint an increasingly grim picture of the economy. Here in California, Governor Gavin Newsom said yesterday that in the last month, 2.7 million people have formally filed for unemployment insurance. It turns out Uber, Lyft, and other gig companies are getting exactly what they want from California when it comes to unemployment. Their drivers will be covered by U.S. taxpayers through the CARES Act, not by those companies through state unemployment insurance. That means Uber and Lyft and others aren't paying for drivers' unemployment. You are. As KQED's Sam Harnett reports, the state had few options after letting these companies classify their workers as contractors for years. 
Gig companies have always classified their workers as contractors, which has allowed them to avoid paying a single dime into the state unemployment fund. If a company doesn't pay in, an employee can't get money out, which is exactly what is happening now to drivers. I haven't made one dollar. This is Chris John of San Francisco, one of hundreds of thousands of drivers in the state. He filed for unemployment in mid-March, and he was told that he qualifies for zero dollars because his employer hadn't paid up. John doesn't understand how this is possible with the passage of AB5 in January, which dictated that gig workers like John are employees. I don't understand how if something is a law, it doesn't have to be followed. We're obligated to follow the laws. How does a company not have to follow the law? It makes no sense to me. I still don't know how that even works. As soon as AB5 passed, Uber, Lyft, and other gig companies went on a full assault. They set aside over $100 million to promote a ballot initiative to strike down AB5. Instacart is fighting San Diego's city attorney general, who filed a lawsuit back in September and is still embroiled with the company in court. But with the pandemic in full swing, workers don't have months to spare to see how these legal battles play out. You know, I haven't paid rent. Haven't paid car, nothing. Companies like Uber lobbied successfully to get the federal government to make gig workers eligible for pandemic unemployment assistance through the CARES Act. To get this money, though, state agencies have to classify workers as contractors, not employees. That's a big win for the companies, but not for everyone else, says Vina Dubal, a law professor at UC Hastings. They've really put taxpayers, consumers, drivers, and these government agencies in a terrible position. Dubal recently sent a warning letter to every single state unemployment department across the country. I'm worried that it sets a cultural practice for state agencies to start thinking of them as such and rejecting unemployment insurance claims in the future when really these workers are employees who should always be entitled to these claims. Uber says it wants California to get aid to drivers as fast as possible. Governor Newsom announced yesterday that the state is going to go the independent contractor route. The state's Employment Development Department is creating a new website for contractors to apply for the federal assistance. It's scheduled to open in two weeks and to deliver benefits in 24 to 48 hours. But Steve Smith from the California Federation of Labor says he's not ready to let taxpayers pick up the tab for this gig company bailout. These companies are on the hook for unemployment insurance and paying back taxes. Nothing about that has changed. We're going to continue to ask the state to aggressively pursue those back taxes as some other states have done, like New Jersey. That state did send Uber a bill for $650 million in unpaid unemployment funds last fall. In California, that number would likely be in the billions. Money that Uber has. In March, CEO Dara Khazroshahi said the company had $10 billion in unrestricted cash to ride out this pandemic. Meanwhile, drivers like Chris John are desperate for any assistance that they can get right now. For the California Report, I'm Sam Harnett. Well, the U.S. Bureau of Prisons is scrambling to control the coronavirus at several of its institutions, with the largest outbreak now at a federal prison in Santa Barbara County. KQED's Alex Emsley reports officials are planning to establish a temporary hospital at the prison to treat the growing number of sick inmates. With nearly 70 inmates and over 20 staff tested positive for the virus, the penitentiary in Lompoc accounts for more than a quarter of confirmed COVID-19 cases in Santa Barbara County. California Senators Kamala Harris and Dianne Feinstein joined Central Coast Congressman Salud Carbajal in a letter Wednesday pleading for the Bureau of Prisons to move faster to contain the disease. County health officials say 13 inmates are hospitalized, with two in intensive care. Vondo Reynoso heads the county's public health department. She says prison officials are negotiating with a private company to establish a field hospital 
in the next two weeks. The intent for standing up this hospital within prison grounds is really to prevent overwhelming our local hospitals with both patients and their accompanying security. She says the facility is meant to eventually treat up to 100 patients. For the California Report, I'm Alex Emsley. Today, California state senators will be meeting, some of them virtually, to talk about how expenses related to the coronavirus pandemic have and will continue to hit the state's budget. KQED politics reporter Katie Orr is monitoring this, so we called her up, and I began by asking her just how much California is expected to spend on services related to the pandemic. Well, it is a bit murky. Uh, The Department of Finance has said that they expect California to spend $7 billion on COVID-19 response-related things. But that doesn't include other spending like increased caseloads in Medi-Cal and CalWORKs and other health and human services uh, programs. So it will be a while before we know what the total effect of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic is on the state budget. And you mentioned the number $7 billion and that that might just be the beginning. Can you put that in context for us? Is that a lot in the context of the state budget overall? Well, the state budget is more than like $200 billion. So $7 billion might not seem like a huge percentage of that, but it's an unexpected cost. Now, the Department of Finance says of that $7 billion, the federal government is expected to uh, reimburse the state for a lot of that. But I think it's a lot of the other costs that I mentioned, expenses that the state had not anticipated. And in addition, tax revenues are going to be going down and taxes are coming in later. So the state won't know how much money it has to actually work with until after the tax deadline in July, and it's anticipating that it will be far less than it had counted on before the pandemic. Hmm, That's right. It's a good reminder that tax day was supposed to be yesterday, but uh, was pushed out to July to buy people some time. But interesting to see how that links up to the budget. What is going to be on the budget committee's agenda this morning? They're meeting for the first time since the pandemic struck. This is um, largely going to be an informational hearing, just kind of gathering information about what the state has spent, what it projects to spend in the coming year. But it is important because it kind of brings the legislature officially back into the mix. They had authorized up to a billion dollars of emergency spending for the governor, and then they took a recess because of COVID-19. So now they're coming back to the building and really beginning to weigh in on the practical parts of this pandemic. Talk about the logistics of this meeting. We've been instructed very carefully not to gather in in groups. How are legislators planning to get together to, you know, to hash this out? Yeah, it's going to be unlike any committee meeting that we're used to seeing at the Capitol. Really, the Senate is encouraging people who want to watch or take part in the hearing to do it uh, remotely. And in fact, not even all the senators are expected to physically be in the building. They have the option to participate uh, remotely if they want to. Katie Orr reporting for us from Sacramento. Thank you. You're welcome.
The worst coronavirus outbreak at a federal immigration detention center is unfolding this morning in San Diego. California's U.S. senators are calling for an investigation into reports that guards mistreated, detained women who were asking for protective masks. KQED's immigration editor Taiki Hendricks reports panic is spreading among the more than 32,000 people in the custody of U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE. Fifteen detained immigrants have tested positive for COVID-19 at the Otay Mesa Detention Center, along with 14 staff members. And immigration lawyers say others inside the jail are desperate for more protection. Attorney Andrew Nietor. I'm getting phone calls from my clients down at Otay Mesa every day in a panic. Advocates told KQED that last Friday, after some female detainees cut up T-shirts to improvise masks, guards told them that if they wanted real masks, they must sign release forms. The women refused, according to attorney Ian Ceruelo, and then his client told him she and others were pepper sprayed, handcuffed, and placed in isolation for hours. And volunteers with the group Pueblo Sin Fronteras say a phone call they recorded with a detained woman named Elsie Del Cid corroborates the account. Please help us, says Del Cid. They're spraying pepper spray into the cells. CoreCivic, the private prison operator, denies using force or pepper spray, but says guards did take three people out of the pod. Yesterday, Senators Dianne Feinstein and Kamala Harris called on the Department of Homeland Security's Inspector General to investigate. Another advocate concerned about the risk inmates are facing is attorney Dulce Garcia. She says some Otay Mesa detainees are stuck in quarantine indefinitely. They have their stays extended by 14 days every time a new coronavirus patient comes into the unit. She says one client who's been approved for release and isn't sick can't get out because of this practice. ICE says it's locking up fewer people and now has 6,000 fewer detainees nationally. And officials say they've released almost 700 medically vulnerable immigrants. Many are due to court orders. But elected officials, including Harris and State Attorney General Javier Becerra, are asking ICE to go further and release those who are no threat to public safety. For The California Report, I'm Tyke Hendricks. And that's The California Report for this Thursday, April 16th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks so much for listening. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Earth Justice, a national nonprofit law organization fighting for the right to a healthy environment. Earth Justice, because the earth needs a good lawyer. And Paint Care. Ideas to use up house paint and leftover paint taking up space can be found at paintcare.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. 
Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.